It is our hope and help that God is always by our side. Amen. He walks with us through every path and every journey in which we travel. And he helps us. Um, this has been a, uh, an amazing season for me and for the church. Um, most of you know that my wife passed away in uh, September. And... Um, I uh, um, I hate this passage of scripture, and I can't live without it. <laughs> All at the same time. Um, somehow, in the midst of months, uh, her last months, and in the months after her passing, I found myself wandering back into the Beatitudes. And uh, I would read them and I would find help and hope in them and I'd get mad at God in them and I would just uh, not figure out what was going on with them. But I always seemed to just wander back to them. Um, Because there is something amazing in them that we hold. That helps us. That's truth that brings life and hope, brings challenge, brings confrontation, uh, brings comfort, brings newness. And uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for today, for they will be comforted. Interesting, uh, we, we sometimes think about mourning, and I, maybe you don't, I have most of the time, thought about mourning in the context of death. We go to a funeral and we mourn. We, you know, somebody dies and you're wearing black and your head's hanging low and, you know, doing your thing. But, but mourning... Is bigger than just death. Uh, We are mourning today. As we are saying goodbye to Pastor Brian. There is a mourning that happens. In um, separation. In loss. 
in disappointments, in um, all, just about anything in life, we, we can experience the very same characteristics of mourning. You see, because here's, here's the deal. Anytime that there is a change in your life, there's loss. There, there's, there, 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 it's not that we just keep adding more and more. Almost always we're changing something. And when we're changing something, there's loss. And anytime there is loss, there is grief and there's mourning and there's separation and all the stuff that goes in the midst of that. And, and so when we think of mourning, we, we need to think of this as something it's bigger than just death. I, I'm mourning. I get it. <laughs> Trust me. Um, but mourning comes in many forms. That job that we really wanted that we didn't get. Um, that relationship that we hoped would work out and didn't work out. That um, hurt. That um, injustice. In the world around us, we even mourn those things. We should be mourning those things. We should mourn the, our own sin in our lives. We should mourn for the separation of family and friends and people we don't even know from God. Those are all things that Scripture tells us that we should mourn. So what we kind of have to understand in the midst of mourning is that that God, God never says to us, you are to be happy all the time. That's a fallacy. And it's one that I kind of bought into very early in my walk with life, uh, with the Lord, because I had people that would say to me, oh, you're so happy, you must be a Christian. And it didn't hit me until years later that I went, I'm happy all the time anyway. I was happy before I was a Christian. Happiness is not necessarily the sole definer of Christianity. And when we, when we talk about happiness as being that which defines our walk with the Lord, we're really stating an untruth. Because Ecclesiastes tells us that there is a season and time for everything. There's a time to laugh and there's a time to weep. There's a time to, to cry and mourn. There's a time to dance even for all of us good Nazarenes. I have been told, though, that if you keep one foot on the floor at all times, it really doesn't count. So, I don't know. Do what you want to do with that. But sometimes we, we, we get into these weird things and we think, well, if I'm a Christian, I have to be happy. All the time. But it's not so. This is not true. And it sets us up to fail and it sets us up to frustration. There is a season for all things. The other thing, the thing is, I think we have to understand is that that grieving. I'm not into my message yet, by the way. So this is just this is just talking about my message. So this is free. Exactly. This is just free. So. The other thing that happens with our grieving that we sometimes don't recognize, but we really do need to have well fixed in our mind. And again, this is just not death. This is this is loss. This is disappointment. It's that job that we lost. It's a relationship we lost. It's 
It's, you know, all that stuff. It's you know, the lost world, all that kind of stuff. The other thing that we sometimes miss in the midst of that is that we have to uh, go through grieving and mourning for our own health. And if we don't, we're going to be in trouble. If we, if we don't grieve and if we don't mourn, if we don't journey through that process, we get stuck there. We get stuck there. And you know what happens when you get stuck there? You get angry and you get bitter and you, can, you can't get out of it. That's not to say you have to just plaster a smile on your face, okay? But, but it is the reality that you have to walk through it. I've gone to some grief counseling and I've gone through in the middle of a uh, grief group that I go to. And uh, one of the interesting insights that came out of that is, is that I thought was, oh, you know, it's one of those things you all know. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And they said this. They said, you, you can't get past grief and you can't get over grief. You only get through grief. And that when we when we jump past over it or we try to go past it or we shove it down and away, we get stuck there and, and we get in these messy situations in our lives that that damage us and hold us and and we don't ever get past it. We get stuck in it. It messes up all of our other relationships. And and sometimes you, you maybe have had the experiences that you've had in the past that have you've just never gotten through them. And they still linger with you. Things that happened in your childhood or things that happened early in your life or whatever. And, and you're just stuck there. And there are either maybe things done to you or things that you've done. And, and you just, you're stuck there. And, and you can't run away from it. You can't stuff it down. You just have to walk through it. You have to walk through it. And that is a painful, uh, tiring process sometimes. But you just have to. You have to journey through it. And, th- and that's, where, that's where our passage today really hits us because it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's what he does for us. You know, one of the reasons why I really don't like this passage <laughs> is because we understand, I remember I told you last week, that this idea of, of blessed is really translated in the Greek, is happy. Almost always it's translated happy. Happy are those who mourn. I'm like, that's why I got so mad at God. Really? Happy. But it also has implied within it fulfilled, contented, peaceful. And I'm trying to live in that spot. But God does something in the midst of our mourning that helps us. His, com- his comfort looks like something. And, and I would just share with you that I, I think that one of the ways that his comfort helps us is that in the midst of our pain and suffering and sorrow and mourning, God draws us close to himself. And he draws close into us. I love a couple passages of scriptures. I, I have a lot of scriptures, so if you want to grab your Bibles or your phones or whatever, 
and uh, write them down or whatever, uh, you can do that. But the, these are some passages that, that kind of speak to these things. Psalm 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those whose spirits have been crushed. Uh, we're going to talk about this more in, a little, in, a, in another section here, but there is something about the, our brokenness and our crushed spirits that... That God just draws into and we sense him and we draw into that because when you're in the midst of that, nothing else works. And that kind of that song we sang where people are searching for answers and the only answers in you. And, and sometimes we, we're searching all over the place and, and we don't we don't see it or get it. But but in those moments when we're broken, there's something happens that God comes in. And remember the passage from uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. We use it all the time. Uh, if I asked you to quote a verse in the Bible, half of you would say this one. You don't know the reference for it, but you'd say it. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Hebrews 13, 5. God doesn't leave us. Sometimes in the midst of our brokenness, we feel like we're alone and feel like there's nobody around us. But, but I'm just telling you that. That God is there. He never leaves us. He doesn't leave us in our greatest sorrow. He doesn't run away from our greatest sin. He's not put off by those things. God is big enough to walk with us through the stuff of life. And life is full of stuff. Right? We need to understand this, too. Not only does God move into us and and approach us and draw us to himself and him to us in the midst of our grief and brokenness. But God actually grieves with us. When you cry, God is crying. When you're broken, God is broken. There's this... This broken heart and not broken, but there's this there is this sense of say God knows what it is to suffer. Isaiah chapter 53, verse three says, Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus there, but he, Jesus, was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, the bitterest grief, one translation says. We, we get that. I mean. He understands what it is to suffer. He understands what it is to groan and moan under the weight of it. I I never forget that garden passage where he's sweating drops of blood and, and he's groaning under the weight of this. He is suffering. He knows what this stuff is about. Think about this story from John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is the story about Jesus and uh, I'm going to get my steps in here. Uh, Jesus and, <laughs> you know, I actually did pretty good with that last week. I had like 3,600 steps when I got back home after the morning services and walking around here. I'm like, <laughs> of course, it might have something to do with that. I'm singing and going, <laughs> those all count. <laughs> but you remember the story in John chapter 11? Jesus gets word. That his good friend, Lazarus, is very sick and near dying. And his friends are saying to him, come, come, you can do something about this. Come. You're the guy who's healing the sick and raising the dead and doing all this stuff. You can, you can do it. And Jesus says, uh, let's wait. Let's wait just a little bit. And they say, Jesus, come on, we need to go. And he says, no, this, 
This is not the end. This is for God's glory that this is all happening. They said, come on, we need to go. And Jesus lingers. Three days he lingers. And he gets to the town and there's Lazarus and Mary and Martha, his sisters, and, and the community. And they are weeping and crying. And they, they say to him, Jesus, if you had only come sooner, Jesus, if you had been here, you could have healed him. Now, do you want to know how really gossip really happens here? Do you want to, do you want to see how something really gets started? Mary is saying, I forget, was it Mary or Martha? I don't remember which one said. Uh, said to him, Jesus, if you could only have been here, you could have done something about it. And then the disciples are over on the other side saying, we told him. <laughs> That's how that works. We told him. And he chose not to come. But Jesus had something bigger. He said to them, no, this is, this is for God's glory. There's something bigger going on here. He'd been three days in the grave and he raised them from the dead. But the interesting thing in the context of what we're talking about today is, do you know what Jesus' response was when he got there? And Mary is weeping and Martha is weeping and the community is weeping. They're all weeping. You know what it says that, that Jesus did? He wept. He wept before he healed, before he raised from the dead, before he did anything else. Jesus wept with his friends. He gets it. And when, when we experience grief and loss and brokenness and failure and disappointments and all of that stuff, and we're weeping and crying and don't know where to turn. And, and honestly screaming at God. God, why did you do this? Why did you allow this to happen? I can tell you, I've had a few of those conversations with God. My wife's 64 years old. She's an amazing lady. She's a person of prayer. She's an evangelist. She, she is a, she's a godly woman. God, why are you taking her? And not only that, I was all excited about retirement. God, why are you doing this? And you probably have had the same. God, why is this happening to me? Why? Why is this situation going on in my life? Why, 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 why? And the comfort that he gives us is he just moves up alongside of us and weeps with us. I'm glad when I'm yelling at God, why are you doing this? Why, why are you messing up my life? And God doesn't chastise me and God doesn't Chase me away and say, oh, what a bad pastor you are that you'd ask the question, why? He's just there. And he's with you. In the midst of your stuff. I tell you what, um, 
walking through uh, grief is a lonely journey. But I will also say to you that one of the greatest helps in the midst of that loneliness is the church. It's you guys. It's, uh, and, and that's for me, and I, and I, you know, it is different for everybody because everybody is kind of different in that process. But people say to me, how do you come to church? How do you do this? I'm going to a grief group. <laughs> you want to hear a funny story? This is funny. I'm in this grief group, and so I'm sitting there. Yeah, it's funny in a grief group. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm in this grief group, and we're all going around the table, and the topic of the day is how do you re-engage spiritually? So it's a Christian group. I'm you know, doing this thing. And so the question is, how do we engage, re-engage spiritually after such grief and heartache and all the rest of that? And, you know, they're kind of going around the room, and they're saying, man, it's been six months, and I haven't been to church. You know, it's been, you know, eight months, and, you know, I can hardly read my Bible. I slip in the back door of the church, and I slip on out. And, you know, they're kind of going around, and that's all their stories. And, you know, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, sobbing, and I'm, uh, and, you know, and I say to them, uh, I'm the senior pastor in my church, and uh, I have to be in the pulpit tomorrow. You know, i, I, I got to get up and preach. <laughs> I'm like... We'd be in different worlds. But, but I tell you what, it, 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 it for me has been so healing and so comforting to be able to come into the family of God and, and be able to sit and sing songs, even though singing just throws me under the bus all the time. The choir sings. You guys missed the choir today, but first service choir. I listen to the choir songs. Always toast. For me, I, I love I love the great songs. I, it's it just it's good um, sitting and singing these songs to be near you, um, to have somebody come and just sit next to me is this amazing thing. To have people who know me and that I work walk with them and they walk with me to to be able to come and just say I'm here is a good thing. By the way, when you're with somebody who's grieving, less is more. <laughs> Just in case you don't know that. You don't have to fix their problem. Just sit there. Just sit there. Hold their hand. And pat them once in a while. Let them do what they need to do. I had that. I had wonderful friends that came and sat with me and Norma and, you know, Maria and Alida and Paul and many others of you that just came and just sat, were present, that just walk up and give me a hug and move on and those kind of things. There is something about the body of Christ that helps us. And I just want to share with you, I know this is, this is a, a heart-wrenching plug for something we're doing, but I'm going to plug it anyway. In another month or so, we are going to be. We have an emphasis we're doing in the winter on prayer. We're doing a, you know, a lot of prayer going on. We're we're doing a five-week study on prayer, um, coming up from Ash Wednesday on. It's kind of our Lenten emphasis, and we really are trying to encourage everybody to be involved in a life group somewhere, um, because there's something that happens when you journey with somebody else that doesn't happen anywhere else. 
There's something about people knowing you and you knowing them that helps. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not in a life group somewhere, either Sunday morning one or midweek one or something, find people who know you and you know them. This is a little line. You will not know everybody in this church. Impossible. Well, maybe not impossible. Maybe there's something. Chipo, she knows everybody's name. She's good with that stuff. <laughs> Chipo knows everybody's name. Nobody else. You're not going to know, but you're not going to know, know people, everybody in this room. But this is the key. You're not going to know everybody in this church, but everybody needs to know somebody. You, you know what I mean by that? You say, well, obviously, we're not going to, we're not going to know everybody, but, but every single person in this room needs to have somebody that says, I'm known by somebody. Okay? And the way you get that is by connecting into smaller groups. You can come and be here and be, you know, come in and go out in a sanctuary and say hi and bye and hello. <laughs> and, and, and do that. And that's all good. And that's okay. But, but when you come to these kinds of moments, you need people that know you and you know them. Right? God gives us... The church gives us the body of Christ. Let me just read a couple of scriptures to you that kind of fit in that. In Romans chapter 12, there's several verses, 5, 10, 15, um, that, no, they're not that many verses, but those are the verses I'm going to highlight, um, that, that talk to us about this. In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. It's kind of like marriage. You're not your own. I'm not my own. We're, we belong to each other. And it says, goes on and says, be devoted to one another like a loving family. And then later on the verse, we also quote oftentimes, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That's what the body does. When we are together, we help each other in those ways. And, okay, I'm good for the time. Yeah, does that make sense? You know, the, 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 so fine, fine, we'll be talking to you about how to do that. But we, we want everybody connected somewhere. The, you know, one of the other things that I really, really hate about uh, this whole process of mourning is when God begins to talk to you in the midst of your mourning. Because, see, God uses our grief and our sorrows and our troubles as moments to teach us something. It's, it's not just by accident. I mean, stuff happens. But, but even in the midst of our pain, God somehow speaks to us in ways that he doesn't in any other place. C.S. Lewis says, C.S. Lewis is a great theologian and a few years back, and he says to us, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he screams at us in our pain. They say, when, when everything's good and we're just bebopping along, we're like, oh, life's good. You know, I go to church. Yeah, I go to church. We have a good time. Yeah, I read my Bible once in a while. Hey, we're good, and we go on life, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and it's all good. God's good. You know what? That's all fun and good. But you're probably not going very deep with God in those moments. You may have. I mean, seasons go. There's a season for everything. There's a season to laugh and have fun. But somehow, in the midst of our sorrow and our pain, we begin to go, God... <laughs> Are you there? And we say, we hear this little voice say, yeah, I'm here. What's going on? And God begins to talk to us and draw us and call us. I think that's one of the reasons why I keep coming back to the Beatitudes in the midst of my pain. Because I was hearing something in them that I needed to hear. 
I told some of you, and uh, I'll tell all of you right now. <laughs> My personal spiritual goal for 2016 uh, comes out of the Beatitudes. And we'll get to that, but it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And in the midst of my own sorrow and journey, I, I, I realized that God was beginning to speak to me and talk to me about this sense to say, you need peace. Well, I was screaming at him, I need peace. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I'm screaming at him, I need peace in my life. I'm tired of this brokenness. I'm tired of this stuff. I need peace in my life. And in the midst of that, I heard God saying to me, You need peace. I tell people this all the time. You need to give what you want. You need peace. Be a man of peace. You need love. Be a man of love. You need hope. Be a man of hope. I mean, we need to give the things that we are desperate for. And so my goal for 2016, in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my angst and all the rest of stuff, is I hear this voice of God saying, be a man of peace. Experience it. Give it. Live it. Walk in it. Those are things you don't hear when you're just bebopping along and life is good. God uses our grief to help us grow. So, the next time you say, Lord, I really want to grow in you, be careful. <laughs> Because a lot of that growth comes through a struggle, heartache, and pain. You know, one of the other things that God does that uh, I can tell you from personal experience is that uh, God, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our mourning, and this one more specifically to death, Gives us the hope and assurance of heaven. Since September 18th, the day my wife died, including my wife, we have had eight people die in this church. In four months. Eight people. First three years that I was in this church, I think we had one or two maybe in three years. Maybe. In four months, we've had eight. I've sat by the bedside of two of those. One of them, my wife. And... Uh, held the hand of the person dying and watched them take their last breath. I've been in the room shortly after several others passed and I've talked with others. 
and to a T, myself included, they've all said, I don't know what I'd do if we didn't have the hope of heaven. I don't know how people make it through without this sense of, I know God and I know where they're at and I know where they're going. There is something about that. That God comforts us in the midst of our grief with an extra assurance of heaven and where we're going. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13 says, We do not want you to be ignorant about believers who have died. We don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. Believers have hope. Revelation 21.4 says, God will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has, will have passed away. I got to tell you, when I'm holding my wife's hand and she's... <sighs> Was no longer in pain, that she's no longer suffering, that she's stepped from this life into eternal life, that she's walking with Jesus. I got to tell you, there is hope and comfort that comes in the midst of that moment like nothing else. That's the kind of comfort that God gives to us. Now, I will tell you this. The next day, that didn't help me quite as much. For those of you that lost a loved one, you know this. Because I had great comfort in the knowledge that my wife is in heaven. And that I haven't said goodbye. I've said I'll see you later. But the next day, it's just you and God. And it feels like crap. Let me use that word. That's when I go back to ones earlier. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen? Last thing. One of the things that happens when God is comforting us, it, it doesn't happen in the moment. This is not... In the moment. 
We don't go, oh, I feel better because of this. <laughs> this comes later. But it's this. That God uses our pain to better minister to the pain of others. You understand that? Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says this. God comforts us in all our troubles. You know what troubles are. It's pain. It's sorrow. It's failure. It's disappointment. It's brokenness. It's all of that stuff. God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort we have received from God. I've been a pastor for... 31 years. Be 32 in just a few months. 31 years I've been a pastor. 31 years I have held hands with the sick and dying. I have put my arm around family members. 31 years. And I will say this to you, that the last four months to have had eight people, seven besides my wife, pass in four months and to have walked alongside of many of those. My heart is in a different place. My words are different Because there is nothing like having gone through the experience (laughs) to be able to help those who are going through the experience. I will not forget being at Charlie Jackson's bedside. And we're playing a song. We're next to him. I've got my iPhone going and... I look up a song that we were talking about, uh, about what will heaven be like, and it'll be this and that and the other thing. And we're, we're, when we enter into heaven, I forget the name of the song and the words, but we're, I'm, I'm playing this for him. I mean, he's just laying there, doing one of those things. And I'm playing this song to him. Charlie, listen to this song. This is true for you. This is coming for you right now. And he's playing the song, and we're talking about The gates open and you enter into heaven. And in that very moment, Charlie goes. He opens his eyes up. And he looks. He looks up. And it's like you can see Charlie. He hasn't opened his eyes for an hour. He looks up. And he's there. And he closes his eyes. And about 30 seconds later, he passed away. And Dorothy gets up and she comes to me and she's weeping and she puts her arms around me and she says, oh, pastor, you know, you know, and I'm weeping and she's weeping. Oh, pastor, you know. Your hurt, your brokenness, your disappointments are preparing you to be 
comforters to others. I didn't feel like being a comforter too much at that moment, but didn't have a choice. And God used it anyway. You know what Jesus said to, I think it was to Peter. I'm I'm guessing it's just because I didn't look this up. I'm just thinking as I go here. But I was thinking about what he said to Peter. I think it was Jesus said to Peter. He says, when you have turned, comfort your brothers. Peter's great failure. Peter's mess. But he's, he's being told. Jesus said, you're going to be able to comfort your brothers out of your own failures. Don't give up the ship. God does that with our stuff. We think, oh, I'm just in pain. I'm just in sorrow. But I'm telling you, as we walk through, not getting past or over, but through the stuff, God has this big thing he's doing in us that we sometimes don't even see or know. But he's doing this big thing. Amen? Amen. Yes? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Father, into your hands do we give all that we are. There's a lot of mourning going on around this place. I'm thankful that there's so much comfort going around this place as well. Life happens. I get it. I've said many times, God, I understand and know that your goodness is not defined by my circumstances. You are good. And God, even in the midst of our sorrow, our brokenness, our mourning, you're still good. And you still walk with us. Lord, we're going to keep our eyes fixed on you. And Lord, when uh, it's hard to see you because our eyes are so filled with tears, we're misting over. We're still just going to hold your hand and we're going to walk with you because you are present. So, Lord, we take your comfort and we walk with you through our sorrow. Be with my people, Lord. If we went around this room and we all just talked about it, there'd be so many that are grieving loss family members, friends, relationships, jobs, change, comfort us. We trust you to do that. We say that we love you. In Jesus' name.